Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Let Me Tell You from the Irish Examiner. In this podcast, we are looking at some of the most dramatic events in recent Irish political history from the unique perspective of one of the key players. Today, we look back at the furore surrounding the FAI set off by the revelation that CEO John Delaney provided a €100,000 loan to the association in 2017. The loan was first revealed by the Sunday Times in March 2019 and Delaney sought and failed to get an injunction preventing its publication. Delaney said the loan was for a very short-term cash flow issue, but Sport Ireland were amongst those who demanded greater explanation. After much wrangling, Delaney and members of the FAI agreed to appear before the Iraq the Sports Committee, but even then, that would only be the beginning of the fireworks. To discuss with us her appearance that day is Kildare North TD and Social Democrats co-leader Catherine Murphy. Before we begin, Catherine, we have a, a short clip to kind of set the scene, but thanks for being with us today. Delighted to be with you, um, and it, it's certainly... You. Uh, something I have a good memory of uh, was most unusual uh, event, the appearance at the Oireachtas Committee. It's just over two weeks since the revelation that FAI boss John Delaney lent the organisation €100,000. He said it was a bridging loan given in April 2017 to aid a very short-term cash flow issue and that it was repaid in full to him in June of that year. It was also reported that the FAI paid John Delaney up to €3,000 a month in rent for his home in Wicklow. More questions were raised when the association made another announcement within an hour of Ireland's 1-0 win in Gibraltar. It revealed that John Delaney was stepping down as CEO with immediate effect and taking up the newly created role of Executive Vice President. The decision, it said, had been taken following a recent review of its senior management structure. Tomorrow, Sport Ireland will appear before the Oireachtas Committee on Transport, Tourism and Sport to discuss its funding of the FAI. So this story largely starts the month before John Delaney's appearance uh, with Mark Tighe's revelations in the Sunday Times about this €100,000 loan. But you said, you were quoted in the days after, saying you weren't surprised that Irish football was kind of in this state at the time. Yeah, I mean, they had... This, this goes quite a bit back with the transport, the transport tourism and sport committee, and in fact, we had um, the three big associations in in January uh, 2017. I was looking to have for us to discuss the issue of governance with them, um, because you might remember there was the whole uh, Pat Hickey affair in uh, 2016, and. There was, I think, there was a very obvious problem with the Football Association of Ireland going way back, and um, and you know things like, for example, not having, uh, you know, the way the AG, AGM was handled was a bone of contention. Not every year, you know, the way the accounts were produced, the uh, you know journalists used to have to submit the questions in advance. It was very much a choreographed 
uh, affair. Then I looked in 2018, I looked for them to come in to uh, the committee so that we would, because there'd been a number of things happened between that that were very unsatisfactory and it continued to cause concern, including how the women's uh, uh, women's football was treated. This was the, this um, was the, the change this, in this, it. The strike issue. Uh, yeah, that was 2017. 2018 was when I, I looked for it and for it to be on our work schedule for, for 2019. So uh, they were issued with an invitation to come in and accepted the invitation, but then kept on postponing it. One of these um, was a postponement in February where John Delaney had UEFA business, and that yeah. would have been on the opposite side of this story being revealed. Yeah, and I, I think he said then the following month he couldn't come in because there was two internationals uh, close together and that. So, um, I mean, we just kept pressing at the committee. But in fact, the, the timing of it, um, he probably uh, pushed it into, for him, a more difficult place because obviously Mark Ty's excellent work uh, would have uh, opened, up, uh, opened up that whole... Um, space and um, he has, you know, he'd gone to the court and he said it was family, the family court, this had been, he was questioning that and it was quite interesting and the Sunday Times backed him in that in, in, injunction. It was quite interesting reading uh, about that afterwards that one of the things that uh, was helpful in getting that injunction was um, are not allowing the injunction was the uh, that they were going to appear in front of an Oireachtas committee and it was seen as a, a public interest from the court's perspective, which was quite important. When you so this story comes out on Paddy's Day, it's a Sunday. Was there a time where you thought this is massive, or, or were you thinking? I mean, when you saw the story originally, did you think, God, this this could be? This, this could blow up? I, I just thought it was only a question of time before it would blow up because um, there was a lot of things about the finances, like there was one year, and I think it was 2017, where they had a significant like, surplus that was, on, that was re... Uh, that, that, uh, it ended up being a deficit of almost a similar amount. I know there was, later on, there was a revenue audit and I knew there was, um, you know, th th there was discontent within the organisation. There was actually plenty of people talking to us once there was any kind of a discussion. Mm. So, like, there was quite a bit of material that we were concerned about and trying to work through. And, and the day before the FAI appeared at the, the Iraqis Committee, Sport Ireland announced that they had pulled their funding. Mm. Were, were you thinking that this is... Like, was there a part of you that was going, uh, is there a way out of, of this for Irish football? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think myself and indeed others said at the time that the intention was to get the the FAI into, a, into good shape and there was a serious problem there. Um, and that would have been a very significant amount for Sport Ireland to have, like, I mean, the FAI would have been funded mainly not out of uh, out of uh, Eroctus funds, it would have, you know, th there would have been all sorts of other uh, income streams. But there hadn't been, there'd been a few very lean years. Um, but it seemed that they were cutting back on the wrong things, and that's what we were hearing, that they were cutting back on the wrong things, like, you know, the uh, you know, merging young players, both male and female. But everything was being cut back. Um, uh, but there were, so there was... I think there was a there was an accumulation of things 
and that 100,000 was a very significant one. And the fact that he had gone to the, the trouble of uh, seeking an injunction, um, I think, was, was probably as big a story as the 100,000. This came at a time when, when football fans were, were generally quite upset at, at the state of Irish football. Um, uh, kind of, uh, the week after the story came out, you had the, the move of John Delaney from chief executive to executive vice president. That was announced as the Ireland team was flying back from Gibraltar. And then a couple of days later, you had uh, the tennis ball protest mm. at, at the Georgia game. Were people onto your office? This is one thing that we, we often ask TDs about, kind of the... I suppose, the, the temperature of the public at the time. Were people contacting your office and saying, look, you, you guys need to put the hammer down on the FAI here? It, it, wouldn't, have been, it wouldn't have been like a, an email storm or anything like that, but it would have been people who would have been involved uh, or, or had an interest in, in soccer. Um, and an interest in it being run well, that would have been uh, expressing concerns. Um, and people talking to you, like from different parts of the country, you know, um, uh, about uh, about their concerns. But, I mean, that had been going on for years, you know. Um, anyone that was in any way interested uh, would, would be aware that some of the carry-on at, you know, t- tickets and there was all sorts of things that were always kind of, uh, always on the go in terms of, of the way it was being run and that it was really... You know, the organisation, the face of the organisation was John Delaney rather than, if you like, the, the, the football team. Uh, he, was, he was bigger than the organisation almost. And there was a similarity in relation to that and Pat Hickey in that, you know, um, I am football, if you like, you know. So you eventually get him in uh, the 10th of April uh, 2019. We're going to have a clip of, of his opening statement and then your first interaction with him. Mm. On Tuesday the 25th of April 2017, we had an internal finance meeting at the FAI. This meeting was attended by our Director of Finance, Eamon Brain, our Financial Controller, uh, Yvonne Tong, and myself as CEO. I was advised at this meeting that if all cheques and FAI bank transfers issued to third parties at that time were presented for payment, that the FAI would exceed its overdraft limit of 1.5 million on its bank accounts, which were held with Bank of Ireland. At the meeting, I expressed concern and surprise as to how the FAI could have arrived at this position. I recall thinking at a time, if I'd been approached even a few days earlier, I may have been able to better address this issue. I asked if any funds were due to the FAI, which could resolve the matter, I was informed that there was nothing due imminently that could be confirmed at that stage. As the matter was pressing, and we only had a few hours to resolve the potential issues that would arise if the bank overdraft limit was exceeded, as a precautionary measure and to assist the FAI, I wrote a cheque for €100,000 from my personal account to the FAI. This cheque was made payable to the FAI. I gave it to our Director of Finance, Eamon Breen, telling him to only lodge the cheque if it became clear that the bank overdraft was going to be exceeded. Just to clear one thing up, Mr Delaney, um, you you said you recall uh, asking the Director of Finance did the, uh, the FAA have any reporting or disclosure obligations arising out of the €100,000 payment. Can you recall the response to that? 
Uh, I've made it clear in my statement, Deputy Murphy, that I can't add, add any further to that at this given the stage, given the various investigations that are okay. taking place. Your reaction in that clip is oh. one that would, it, it's fair to say you were unimpressed by John Delaney's strategy. I think everyone was unimpressed. Uh, he said that he would only answer questions in relation to the, his new role as executive vice president, but, uh, but nothing else. And he brought uh, a lawyer in uh, himself. Um, and I asked afterwards whether or not that lawyer represented John Delaney or represented the FAI. And I was told that, uh, that the lawyer represented John Delaney. Uh, I can't imagine that he, the, the people from, from the board of the FAI would have been impressed uh, by, by, by that either. And it was wholly unsatisfactory. And I, to be honest with you, it was like we had planned questions to ask John Delaney. And then you had to, uh, then you had to kind of go sideways on, on, on the issue, you know. For, for reference and for context, in your experience as a, as a TD, how often do people bring legal counsel to Arakas committees? They don't. They don't. And it wasn't just any legal counsel. He referenced uh, the Supreme Court case that, was, that had been taken um, uh, in relation to Angela Cairns. And he wanted us to treat him uh, as a witness that, that wasn't, you know, that, that it treated, he wanted us to treat him as a witness in that context, if you like. Um, and uh, the lawyer that he brought in was uh, no, was somebody who had worked on the Angela Cairns case. So, like he was making a very clear statement in re in relation to this was a shot across the bow. It to was, the committee. yeah, it was. You know that that I'm kind of controlling this, and I'll answer what I what I uh, you know I'm comfortable answering. You know, and you're not going to push me any further. And I've brought in some firepower to make sure that that you won't. Um, and he kept on talking about how, how he was working in the interest of the FAI, and including the 100,000. Um, uh, that certainly didn't feel like he was working uh, in, in the interest of football. So the, the, the day itself starts off, you guys uh, on the committee go into the private session, and, and then the FAI arrives. Um, Donald Conway, the, the chairman, has brought a, a, a report, a Grant Thornton report, on the 100,000 euro loan, and then John Delaney finally furnishes his, his opening statement. So you have to adjourn for an hour hmm. so that the committee members can read these. What are you thinking at this point? Are, are you thinking that like this, this is a bit all over the place or is it, is it a, I suppose, is it a calculated strategy to put the committee on the back foot? See, I, I think the, it wasn't the FAI that was calculating the strategy, it was John Delaney and that was, that was very clear um, because he was the one that had brought the lawyers, it wasn't the FAI. Um, but it was the whole thing then, like we really wanted to talk to John Delaney uh, as the CEO. Um, and of course, he, he was no longer in that position. Um, and it would only, he would only limit what he would talk to us about, which wasn't the issue that we wanted to talk to him uh, about. And it wasn't the reason why he was invited in, why he was invited in in the first instance. But the, um, then when it went on to the FAI, um, there were other issues like, for example, the treasurer uh, was, didn't know that there was, uh, the treasurer didn't, wasn't made aware of the 100,000 loan, wasn't made aware of how precarious the position, uh, you know, of the, of the association was. And it was very precarious in 2017. It actually got worse as the year went on. Um, uh, but like we didn't. He then, he didn't know, and then later on he was questioned 
um, I think it was uh, uh, Jonathan O'Brien from Sinn Féin asked him how many bank accounts and he, he like he said it was one bank account and it turns out that there was there was, was multiplicity of bank accounts. It was a range of different things like that. Um that you know, the whole thing was very unsatisfactory. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, uh, do you feel that the FAI were in any way, that the FAI board was in any way prepared for this? Uh, it, it felt, I mean, watching it back in preparation for for this podcast, it felt like uh, often they would normally just defer those questions to John Delaney and because he had relied on this strategy of only referring to his opening statement that there was just a lot of answers that you guys weren't able to get because the board didn't simply didn't know the yeah, answers. Yeah, like the board, my interpretation of the board was that it was very passive, that it would do really what he wanted it to do, that all he was looking for the board to do was to give him a rubber stamp for this, that and the other. And we were all aware that he was... Like, you know, he would go around various clubs and, you know, the grants would be pulled out and um, that was kind of... And he seemed to have, you know, the authority to do that under a certain threshold. I think it was about 5,000. And it was, uh, you know, that he seemed, to, he seemed to have all of the power, if you like. And that was part of the reason why the absence of independent uh, members on the board uh, to kind of, you know, to really ask uh, questions... Um, was glaring and um, like that was part of the Genesis report going way back but it was never implemented if you like uh, but it was clear that uh, John Delaney really controlled the board and a lot of them in positions that were supposed to have responsibility didn't seem to know uh, didn't seem to know how the organisation was functioning so it looked dysfunctional it felt dysfunctional and everything about uh, everything about it was dysfunctional as we saw later on uh- it wasn't just the board that John Delaney kind of had a hold over. He seemed to convince an awful lot of people across, and to this day, across football in Ireland. And you mentioned that kind of that, that grand thing. That there's a lot of people across Irish football who were able, or I suppose, fell in behind John Delaney's vision or fell in behind John Delaney because he controlled the, the purse strings of the FAI. Dennis O'Brien in the, in the John the, the Baptist uh, documentary once said that, that John Delaney is a collage of people. What, what version of, of John Delaney did you guys get that day? Um, well, I kind of had my own impression of him before he came in, that, that, that he, he was politicking the whole time. Like, he, he, he played the, you know, the football, the, you know, the, the schoolboy section off against, if you like, the League of Ireland section. He always had his majority that's what it looked like to me and that's what allowed him to do what he, what he did and he did he was quite derogatory about League of Ireland and, and then he'd even defend he'd even come out and say that that was you know he was kind of reared on League of Ireland if you like and it just didn't stack up um, I don't know he, um, he he probably was a multiplicity of things but he, the one th- the one thing all of this was about was about John Delaney it, it, it for me 
he wasn't acting in the interest of the association um, by playing one off against the other and not having an effective board. But uh, he, I thought he uh, made sure that that was the way things were so that he had the freedom to act the way he did. The, the day itself was, a, was an absolute marathon session mm. uh, for, for an Oireachtas committee. What do you think was actually achieved that day? Um, I think the very fact that... Um, I, I, I think it really kind of showed just how dysfunctional things were. The fact that people didn't know things they were supposed to know that were in positions or supposed to be in positions of authority. It was clear that there was a, a really significant issue with how the play, the, the, the association was, uh, was being uh, governed. And that was having uh, knock-on consequences in the decisions that they were making. Uh, and, uh, in, in, you know, cutting back on things, as I say, like the critical things were being cut back on. Mm. And then it emerged kind of later on other things like the payment for, you know, for a house, the rent on a, an expensive property and things like that. You were, you were wondering, it was, it, was, it was on the edge the whole time and we'd been told, uh, I, I don't know how many occasions that, that football was going to be the, the Aviva Stadium and it was going to be debt-free by 2020 and you were saying because they're hardly able to manage to get from, you know, one month to the next and, you know, it, it just was very precarious. Mm. Not everyone in the, in, who joined the committee that day was, was as critical of John Delaney as, as you are. We have a clip. At the end of this month, Mr Delaney is to come to Castle Island AFC to, to open the new George O'Callaghan Park. 45 years they wanted for this park to be there. And what I'm reliably told, that if it wasn't for John Delaney and the FAI, that park wouldn't be being opened at the end of this month. You will be most welcome to Kerry. You will get what I would call the mother of all welcomes when you come to Kerry, because your reputation and your respectability will precede you down the road before you land, and we will be there to welcome you. And all I can say is that, okay, when it comes to the accountancy practices, Chairman, and I'm sure you appreciate this, many of us in business who have to do certain things at certain times. During the recession, people bailed out their own small businesses. They did different things that they had to do to try and be of help and assistance. And if you're guilty of anything, you're guilty of trying to help an association in the best way you saw fit at that time. That's all you stand in my book. Okay, Deputy O'Brien, you you have three minutes. So, as you heard there, not all TDs were unimpressed with Mr Delaney, Michael Healy Ray. Uh, the, the TD for Kerry welcoming him down to open a, a new facility. Were you surprised that any TD was willing to go in and openly support somebody who, was, who had brought their own legal counsel, who was relying on their opening statement and who had kind of uh, left uh, their, their board, uh, I suppose, at sea in, in this scenario? Look, it probably reinforced exactly what was going on, that there were... You know, I mean, you've got to remember the the monster component would have come in here, and before him, his father uh, would have been, I think, chair of that whole yeah. uh, that whole section, um, and there would have been he would have been very generous to particular clubs, and he would have been particularly generous to particular clubs, and I think that that was really reinforcing the point, uh, uh, and uh, you know, there's no doubt that uh, it was infuriating for somebody to come in, given how uh, given how things were at the time, but it was uh, you could really understand it because it, it was 
it was more or less demonstrating just how um, uh, the parts of the organisation were being played off against other parts and that there was, you know, and, and grants and things were being used for that. Um, and I think that that may well have been the case with, with, uh, with the association in Kerry. The, the, the follow-on to, to that clip is, uh, is Rue Coppinger interjecting and, and suggesting that members of the um, com- people who members of the Iraqis who weren't members of the committee probably shouldn't have been allowed in to, to give what she called a statement uh, while there was still questioning going on. Yourself and, and Jonathan O'Brien and Amelda Munster and, and others were still kind of probing away at, at the substantive issues. She, uh, you know, she complained at the time, and her and her Michael Healy Ray had a, a bit of a, a set to. She she called them impossible at the end. But did you think on the politics end of it that it was right that non-members of the committee were were allowed in while questioning was still going on? Yeah, look, the the thing about it is the rules are not going to change. For they, they're the rules, irrespective of you know, of. Uh, whether it was that particular meeting or other meetings of the Oireachtas, and they wouldn't have changed. Uh, they wouldn't have changed. Um, um, they wouldn't have changed uh, for that particular mm. committee meeting. So, um, what normally happens is that individual people are brought in. The members of the committee are brought in first, and only after they have finished will non-members be, uh, you know, given the opportunity to speak. And that's what happened at that particular committee uh, meeting. It was no different to any other committee meeting. I did do think my, Michael really, Healy Ray really showed himself badly at that, but. Um, uh, I thought the committee overall actually worked quite uh, quite well in that there was a range of different questions asked and um, and I think most people tried to stay focused on what the meeting was supposed to be about just because I mean Michael Healy Ray most most certainly didn't um, uh, but I think that just really showed uh, the way the organization was being run do you think the, that without the Oireachtas committee? Uh, things would have proceeded the way they did, uh, you know, as as we went forward, John Delaney stepped down because of of the reviews, and then by September he was gone. Do you think without that that sitting, John Delaney m- maybe survives this? See, this? I, I think it was a, I, th- I think it was common to that. Uh, it was common to that, and it was just in many ways it kind of helped it on, and it certainly put uh, the the issue right onto the front page. This whole. Uh, of the newspapers where sport really should be on the back page um, and uh, I think there were there were a range of different things but they were they had a huge black hole in terms of their finances anyway and that emerged later on um, and I think that shocked people the extent of it was certainly well in excess of 55 million or somewhere in the round in, in the regions that was certainly over 50 million um, there was then there was the, the Sport Ireland had uh, initiated the report by the Cozy report and it, that came back, and it, it showed that the money that was allocated from Sport Ireland was properly spent. But the report then was sent to the guards. Then there was the Mazars report. The Grant Thornton one was the one that was internal to the organisation. Then there was the Jonathan Hill report, which, which was really I thought about uh, only about you know some. Uh, changes to the, uh, the the structure of the organisation that I felt it was primarily about have, making a role for uh, John Delaney as executive vice president so that they would be able to maintain a, uh, the position on the UEFA uh, board. But as we know then, it, within a few months, within not too many months afterwards that he resigned from mm. the FAI, but I think he had a 
He walked away by, by the by the September. Um, you know, you've touched on some of the reports that that, that were done in the interim. This is only this is only three years ago. Um, you also had Deloitte saying that there was. Uh, that the FAI hadn't kept proper accounting records uh, and then eventually John Delaney steps down yeah. in this September. Do you think that's three years, that's a lot of reports, a lot of uh, words put, put to paper about the, the, the governance and the state of Irish football. Do you think sitting here in 2023 has much changed? Uh, well, first of all, it, it, interesting, they had the same accountants and I think it was delight for about more than 20 years, which shows poor practice anyway. Um, and it's surprising that some of these things didn't emerge in advance and weren't nipped in the bud in advance. Um, the uh, I think there are, I think there are, there are these kind of things will change slowly. We always expected that uh, there would be outworkings from those reports. Some of those outworkings were, for example, the Office of Director of Corporate Enforcement, which was the which is now the uh, Cor Corporate Enforcement Agency. Um, that, uh, that would be the more serious of the investigations and, um, and there would have been a challenge in the courts in relation to a, a very large number of emails that uh, Mr Delaney was saying should be not, they, they, sh they should be privileged. The court only recently ruled on that and they are now accessible. So uh, I expect that the Corporate Enforcement Agency will get on with the work. Um, with, you know, in relation to that, but that's the more serious one. The revenue audit was another thing that happened. That happened in 2019, and it was a significant amount of uh, money uh, had to be paid to uh, revenue. So I think there's those kind of outworkings that will be constantly in the paper um, until you get to the other side of all those uh, and you put them. But behind the organisation, you don't think we're at the other side of we're this not, yet. We're, we're not at the other side side of it yet because the, the the corporate enforcement agency has been delayed in doing their work because of some of the court uh, interventions. Um, but I do think, uh, and we've had, of course, COVID in the meantime, which obviously had uh, an impact on uh, on on everything. But I, th I think we're starting to see signs of of life in terms of. You know, the numbers of people attending League of Ireland, for example, is, is way up, which is great to see. Um, and I think at the grassroots level, you're, you're seeing, you know, a lot of, we've seen the women's um, uh, side of things dramatically improved. Some of that's got to do with, you know, even things like the gesture in relation to making sure that men and women are paid equally when they're, you know, pay, playing at international level. And um, I think there's, it's easier to get sponsorship for the women's yeah. game. You're starting to see things like that changing. I think it'll take some time before um, before we see it uh, really. We really see a healthy uh, football association. And I would argue when you know there's an underinvestment and has been. Uh, for the amount of people that participate. But you can only invest in an organisation that you're fully confident in. And it was necessary uh, for, for that to happen. Uh, for almost, you know, to be, it had to be brought down to really rebuild, if you like. Um, and John Delaney is the one that brought it down, really, uh, in my opinion, with the way the organisation was run and uh, the extent of control that he uh, more or less... 
had over the organisation and how he made sure that he had that control, which shows that if you don't govern an organisation properly, you can end up with uh, you can end up with you know detrimental consequences, and I think that's part of what happened. Um, but I, I do see a good future for football in Ireland, and, it, and as I say, I think people are coming back uh, in, in numbers, and that's that's one of the that's one of the things I. I, I think that has has been very good news this year. Brilliant. Look, Catherine Murphy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for your time. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Daniel McConnell and myself, Paul Hosford. Join us next time for another episode of Let Me Tell You. Bye for now. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are like interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.